Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mi nombre es Nick Mercer. Este es episodio 71. Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mercer. This is episode 71. And I'm talking to Alejandra Merriman and Oscar Lopez Huerta, who are makeup Latin, Latinx 80s, Latinx, Latinx athletic trainers. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by Head Check Health. Head Check Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. To run organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on Head Check Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headshakehealth.com for more. So, uh... Oscar and Alondra, can you please introduce yourselves? Por favor, presentenses. 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 Is that right? Yes. Presentenses. Presentenses. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, okay. Go ahead, go ahead Alejandra. Um, my name is Alejandra Merriman. I am a secondary school athletic trainer in Los Angeles. I am, let's see, I'm going on my... It's about to be 10 years certified as an athletic trainer, and we're here today to talk to you guys about uh, barriers um, in concussion for the Latinx population. And my name is Oscar Lopez Huerta. I recently graduated from UNLV, and I'm going to be starting a new position at UNLV uh, this week. Uh, and yes, like Alejandro just mentioned, we will be discussing uh, the intricacies, you could say, of the Latinx community in regards to concussions and everything else that concerns healthcare. So, qual uh, es Latinx? What is Latinx? And that's my end of my Spanish attempts because I think guys will discuss discuss you guys with you my Latin, my Spanish. So you said Latin there in Spanish, but anyway. Yeah. So, what is Latinx? Um, it's a un comunidad. It's a community. Um. Our mission is to represent the Latinx community. We aim to foster engagement of ethnically rooted multicultural students and professionals to 
um, provide, you know, a good quality of care um, to all of our patients, but more specifically to serve our patients um, in the Latinx community. Um, and so it's, it's more about uh, making sure that our Spanish-speaking patients and our Latinx athletic trainers are both very well represented. Yeah, and we have, with everything going on in the States, there's been a lot of discussion of identity, whether it's cultural, ethnic, racial backgrounds. And um, this organization is an all-inclusive and a diverse uh, organization. But as Alejandro mentioned, uh, one of our main goals is to, is to highlight the Latinx community within athletic training, to empower us so that the voice can be heard, uh, but in the end, to educate everybody and to include everybody in the conversation. Uh, because just because you don't necessarily look like you're of Latinx descent, maybe you do identify based on your family history. And now you have a space to say, I, I do belong here and you are comfortable in your own skin. And uh, that is something that we want to provide for everybody. So just as background for me, I'll see what is Latinx as compared to North, like North American, well, Central American and South American descent. What is Latinx? So um, Latinx is being inclusive to Mexico, Central America, South America, and the Caribbean. Um, okay. The term Hispanic uh, excludes Brazil. And so oh, okay. um, Latinx, the, the X in Latinx is, is being uh, friendly and respectful to our LGBTQ plus community. It's okay. gender neutral, so it doesn't assign a, a neutral, I'm sorry, a gender oh, right. to the patient or the person. Um, but Latin America, being a Latino or Latina, um, yeah. means that you can be from from Mexico, from Brazil, from Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican Republic. So it encases all of the Latin American countries. Okay. And I can't see Oscar, so like, can't oh yeah, see if no, you're saying yeah, something. Yeah. Just to follow up on what she's saying, uh, yeah. the X is, of course, to, to be all-inclusive regardless of how you identify. Um, and it's it kind of rolls off the tongue a little easier, too, uh, because within especially right. the Romance languages, um, yeah. which you, there's a lot of gendered uh, verbs and nouns, yeah. right? So we're limiting that, uh, that kind of sentiment. So that way it's just all-inclusive and there's no gender identification. It's just... Uh, just the word and that's it and some people there have been backlash and everything in regards to the use of the word but we use it in that regardless of what you and who you are you do belong in this community so i want to ask you about obviously about concussion but uh did you first want to talk about some of the or did you want to integrate that into your discussion of a concussion and athletic trainers role in that in diagnosis and treatment but or did you want to just talk about Barriers to Latinx community. Just is there one issue to discuss right away, or just to integrate them more into what we're going to talk about concussion-wise? We can dive into our role. Um, I'd love okay. that. I think it's. I think um, as athletic trainers, especially in the secondary school setting, um, you know, middle school and high school, we are the first responders. We're the first um, yeah. patient action. And we are very well versed in concussion um, treatment. I'm not going to say diagnosis because you know an official diagnosis comes from a physician. Right. Um, we are very well versed in, in recognizing the signs and the symptoms and um, how to take 
our student athletes, not only through a return to play protocol, but a return to learn protocol um, in the secondary school setting. Um, but even outside of high school, you know, in the collegiate level, um, mostly all colleges do have an athletic training staff. And so as in high school, we are the first line of defense when it comes to healthcare. And so it's definitely something that we are used to dealing with as part of our, um, as our healthcare. Great. And so would you, uh, sorry, Josh, did you just the Elstad or? I no, just she did it perfectly. Okay. Um, 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 I was going to say, because it's a good time. Actually, if you, both of you would like to do it, maybe uh, one of you play, uh, do a bit of a role of an injured, injured athlete and uh, the other one could be the athletic trainer. And what kind of, of a, uh, the athlete would have to say a, a suspected concussion. So how would you approach this, this player? If say Oscar, you were the athlete, and Alejandro, you would come onto the field to assess this injured athlete who you suspect to having a concussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Alejandro. I would. I mean, I would ask the the athlete, "Cómo te sientes? You know, how, how are you feeling? Te sientes bien? Um, do you feel okay? Do you feel good?" And then I would go into asking you know, specific um, signs and symptoms, questions like, ¿Tienes dolor o presión en la cabeza? So do you have a headache or pressure in your head? Um, ¿Tienes náusea? Are you nauseous? Or ¿Sientes como quieres vomitar? So do you feel like you need to, to throw up? Um, you know, th- during my evaluation, I would ask if um, if they would see double. So if, if, si tienen visión doble o, o borrosa or blurry. Um, you know, I would ask them if the light or the sound bothers them. Si le molesta el ruido o la luz. Um, si se sienten con confusado or, um, you know, if they're confused, if they have difficulty concentrating. Um, si, se, si se sienten bien, if they feel normal, if they feel out of it. So those are those are the questions that I would, you know, start to ask uh, my Spanish-speaking patient uh, in the initial evaluation, and then the con- I think the concern comes when more so when parents are involved. I'm right. trying to communicate with them in that case, but that, that's generally how uh, the typical questions I would ask um, off okay. bat when when approaching and, a student. And Oscar, how would you if you were say did not did not speak English well, which obviously. You're born in Las Vegas, so similar to English is not a problem. Hasn't been a problem so far. So, right. um, how would how would you if you if you uh, what, what sorry well I'll answer a broader, a broader question. Then. I'll ask Oscar first. Have you noticed what have you noticed what, what questions have you noticed cause problems for people who are not fluent in English? What types yeah. of questions or. Or all it, around of people are say didn't know, know Spanish for well, but there's probably not so much problem in the states. Yeah, so I've actually been able to to help out at a tournament once. Uh, it was I believe a soccer tournament. Actually, I did a basketball tournament as well where I was talking to a patient who only spoke Spanish in both instances, and okay. and one of the patients came from Mexico, so just Spanish, right? And yeah. I, what, what I kind of under, got from them is they do understand English. They do know what we're talking about. Yeah. But, but it's sometimes, the express well? 
Yeah, yes, in both. And sometimes what I've noticed is the pressure to answer the question immediately, right? You have right. a couple yeah. of people surrounding you. And although you might have a bit of knowledge in regards to English, uh, yeah. you have all these people surrounding you, kind of questioning you, taking mm. all these uh, measurements, whether it's heart rate, blood pressure, uh, temperature in certain cases. So sometimes it's not even the language barrier that's an issue for some of these because the younger kids, they tend to learn English uh, because they mm -hmm. have to or because of the schooling. Um, sometimes it's more of like, well, I'm in an unfamiliar area with people that don't look like me and maybe don't speak the span or sorry, the language that I speak predominantly, which is Spanish. So uh, I've noticed that when when I was in that vicinity, right, they always, you know, kind of stood next to me. They were talking to me more and I'd be uh, somewhat of an interpreter between myself mm -hmm. and the other staff. Uh, so it's it's understanding that well certain words can translate better than others. So head and cabeza are two completely different words, but respirar that's to breathe, respiration. Yeah. It's yeah. is you know exactly. So finding those similarities in language helps a lot because you can get maybe an idea across. My medical terminology in Spanish isn't the strongest because I haven't worked with a huge Spanish-speaking population, uh, but I do know that many of those words translate, right? So I do my best in those instances to, okay, if I ask, do you, have you taken English before? Do you understand? So, hablas un poco de, de inglés, me entiendes when I speak English? You know, I would do a bit of the switch to see if they would pick up on what I'm saying. Um, <sighs> if they feel comfortable enough, then I could proceed with my evaluation. Um, right. And in regards to the fully speaking Spanish individual, I would ideally get help from coaches. Uh, if there's a parent involved or a guardian that may know a bit more English than the patient does, I can relate some of the information I gain from both of them, right, to my staff. Uh, so utilizing as many people as possible to not only keep the patient uh, calm and confident, but also makes my job a little easier. Of course. And now, Andre, you would... Uh... You've also you've I mean, you've you've experienced a different different range of of uh, of athletes and uh, ages and so how how do you what have you found of the high school athletes or you who you treat now as now I don't know when you're past but are you who you have treated or mm -hmm. do you find there that's you find that there's a big problem with uh not a big problem there any problems with uh translation in the and in the in the Spanish speaking context or uh, or with the um, parents well with the parents it's more getting them to understand um it's it's difficult you know let's just say you have a broken bone right I have an athlete who mm -hmm. I suspect has a fracture um a fracture you can see on an x-ray and, and if there's a deformity you can physically see the deformity right so a parent yeah. would be more understanding as to why they need to take their their son or daughter to the hospital mm -hmm. but with a concussion concussions are more invisible you can't see a concussion on yeah. scan you can't see it on an mri it's not going to show up on an x-ray so for a parent um to understand and more so a um a latinx parent you know because of culture and the way that the community is with going to the doctor you know typically a latinx patient will wait to go to see someone unless it's an absolute emergency um and that that just has to do with you know health literacy and and trust and education and so it's that part i find most difficult is trying to get the parent understand with a concussion like although 
they seem fine in the next 72 hours things can drastically change and they can change very quickly or they can change very slowly and so it's just more so trying to communicate um in spanish what exactly a concussion is um because you know like oscar said medical spanish is completely different and the average um, Spanish-speaking person is not going to know a lot of medical Spanish. They may not know mm-hmm. what a convulsion is or a concusión or, or what happens, a, a lesión mm-hmm. in, the, in the brain. They, they may not understand that. So it's trying to find the correct words um, to describe the severity of the situation, but not so much where you're like, you're scaring the parent, you know? Right, right yes. So, and uh, actually, sorry, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say it's typically easier for me to communicate with with the with the child with the actual student athlete. Yeah, um, right. Just trying to get the parent or guardian to understand the severity of the situation. Because I was look, I was watching, looking, reading, reading through your uh, Instagram accounts, Latinx Instagram, mm-hmm. at Latinx ATS, mm-hmm. and uh, I noticed you had a, a bunch of a whole slew of photos that, that were. That were medical terminology, Spanish English medical terminology. So, what do you find? What 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 inspired you to do this? And it was just what you said, obviously. But you inspired you to. And what have you found? Of, have you found it been? Has it been very as, as beneficial as you had hoped? Uh, well, if I could touch on this really briefly, for me as as a recent graduate of a, of a, an athletic training program, it fills a void uh with with a lot of information so we've in my area specifically las vegas is a very diverse uh city mm. uh, with a large latinx population so you're gonna have athletes that speak spanish right regardless right, of where yes. they come from yeah. so yeah. and even at the high school level and that's where a lot of the ats in nevada are at at, the, at this moment so with this information that we have produced uh, it fills that void of, okay, how can I talk to a parent? I might not be great in Spanish, but maybe I could get at least a handout or a little bit of, uh, like, make a poster out of it. So this is what this content is for. It's to pick up certain terms, maybe get familiar with Spanish again if you took it in high school or in college, mm-hmm. to get, you know, a couple of phrases down. But then you're able to communicate, okay, so this is exactly where the fracture is, you know, fractura in el pie. You got a fracture in your foot. Oh, okay, now I understand the parent or the athlete understands. Um, and this, you know, down the line could be implemented in different educational programs, uh, just because there's a lot of people that speak a variety of languages in the States. And with Spanish being uh, one of the more common languages, it only will make sense to include this kind of information into um, medical education. That way you are, you have access, you're accessible to all your paces, not just to a, a limited uh, demographic. Right. right. I think the um Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, I'll probably say this word a thousand times. Like, just uh, healthcare literacy, just the understanding and the knowledge and having those resources available for your Spanish-speaking patients is huge. You know, in our culture, it's we are more understanding when when a healthcare professional spends that time one-on-one with us instead of just you know bedside manner um we are more likely to trust you if you take that time to build a relationship and, and to understand and explain things um you know if you give someone resources they are more likely to follow up because they mm-hmm. have things to read and educate themselves on um and so you know as a spanish-speaking athletic trainer my concern wasn't my student athletes. My concern were the Spanish-speaking Spanish-speaking student athletes who were being treated by a non-Spanish-speaking athletic trainer. How are they communicating? Are they getting over those barriers? Um, you know, are they communicating well? Are they building those relationships with the parents in the community? Do they know how to communicate? And so, to me, making this this series, the medical terminology series, and and patient mm-hmm. care Spanish-speaking patient was more so for our community of athletic training, the non-Spanish speaking athletic trainers to be able to utilize these, you know, we have all these um, these social media posts available as infographics. And a lot of our, of our athletic trainers have expressed to us how grateful they are for them. They've printed them out, they've laminated them, they, they have them in their facilities and it's helped them to better communicate with their student athletes. And that's, that's one of our sole purposes is to make sure that our Spanish-speaking population, our Latinx student athletes, are are being well represented, and, and to be well well represented, you need to know how to communicate with them in, in some kind of manner. You know, I'm not I'm not asking anybody to have a whole conversation when in that with an yeah. athlete or a parent. But like Oscar said, just knowing the basic the basic words to describe pain, um, you know, that's really important because oftentimes when you're having a conversation with somebody in Spanish when they don't know English, you say one word and they'll just shake their head and agree, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's trying to really pinpoint and, and use as many different words as possible that they don't understand. 
so you can actually get the the correct and most accurate information. And uh, actually, Alejandro, you're great with that because you have a very a lot more experience in uh, approaching athletes who are injured. Have you ever approached one with an injured athlete with a say, English-speaking athletic therapy, athletic trainer who didn't who uh, who's asking a question and say, like, "How are you okay? As your does this hurt?" Or, or and uh, they said something. And the athlete would say Spanish, and they couldn't. There was a loss in translation there, or between, say, Absolutely. the athlete who said, "Oh yeah, my knee hurts," or "or my head throbs," or and they and the and the athlete and the athletic trainer doesn't the word throb in Spanish would know what that means, or whatever. So, absolutely. Um, more so, I used to right out of right out of school. After I passed my boards, I worked in the PT clinic, so I saw this more so in the PT clinic. Um, because okay. I am Spanish-speaking, I right. got a lot of Spanish-speaking patients, yes. and um, you know I saw a lot lost in translation between the English-speaking physical therapist and the Spanish-speaking patient, um, and more so in the older population, um, the older Latinx um, people would, they're there, they they just do what they're told. If that makes sense, like, well, my doctor said I need to do this, so I'm here. And, you know, that the trying to, again, trying to describe that terminology, if, if they don't speak English, you know, if someone says, Dolor to, to the degree, like the mucho, like the, that's all English, but no, it's the mucho, mucho pain. <laughs> right. I mean, I think pain is, is, is one of the biggest issues with knowing how to describe pain. Yeah. Key words to describe the, the type of pain. And, um, you know, not all clinicians know those words. They, they only know maybe one or two of those words. So it's making sure that you're, you're not losing that type of um, translation when you're communicating with the Spanish patient. Because, again, like through cultural competency, the, the patient will more than likely just agree. Or like if there's someone there, they'll be like, oh, just give them all the information and they'll tell me everything. But then they usually... You know that usually never ends up happening. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So what what words are the most important for you? Because words important for actually writing the question. Plus, have you ever given given before you even to say national or or statewide terms? Having um, you're really static. I don't know if it's just on my end, but I. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not. Alistair, can you hear me? Yeah, it's also a little bit staticky, but it's getting a little better now. Um. But just to, to continue off of what uh, Alejandro just mentioned, um, the uh, handing off the information to a secondary person, whether it's like a friend or uh, a guardian, older brother, um, then that kind of weight falls on them, right? And if they don't have the strongest English uh, speaking ability, then there's also another conflict because then they can't even relay the information to the patient themselves. Mm-hmm. So then you get more muddled information, and then the uh, effectiveness of your potential treatment decreases because you can't communicate properly. So when I was reading that certain athletic trainers had these laminated and all over their their rooms, I'm just like, well, this is great because not only are you uh, showing that you're accessible, but you're uh, you're also enhancing everybody around you, right? You might have other uh, patients coming in asking questions and you know potentially picking things up. 
and being able to communicate with their teammates. So let's just say yeah. if uh, in the collegiate setting, you have a, a variety of international students, right? So if one of them doesn't come in as often for whatever reason, maybe that particular athlete who read some of the information on the infographics can be like, hey, you know, I'm learning. Like, let me, let's figure things out. So now you're more accessible through a, a different means, right? Through a comfortable secondary person, right? Uh, which would be that teammate. So then you're more, and you're just more effective in that regard because now you have two people who kind of understand Spanish and the second person being the Spanish-speaking athlete in question is like, okay, now I got two people who know Spanish a bit more than I thought they did. Now I feel more comfortable opening up about, you know, minor things that I pick up during practice. Uh, maybe I didn't feel good, you know, this morning. I can go in and see this person instead of being turned away because sometimes, and unfortunately this happens, to where uh, because we don't, somebody else speaks Spanish, like, you know, I don't feel super comfortable. Uh, my other staff will be here later today. Can you come in later? Later comes, that athlete doesn't come in. So now you're more accessible at all times because you have that information around you. Um, and that is just a welcoming kind of environment at the same time. Right, right. And uh, if uh, if you were to have, say, one of those, lap, one of those laminated pieces of posters with different terms on it or different say definitions of for us uh, if a Spanish speaking athlete came into a came into a, to a room to a training room or an office wherever you call it um, and they were and they were uh, had issues with their whatever their knee or their head well their head for this for this us what would you what terms would you like to have on that sheet of paper so they'd say I feel like this is what this is what I mean this I feel like this describes me. This is better, better, better uh, definition or description of my pain or, and what I'm feeling. Because what what terms would you like to have? If I'm making any, if I'm making any sense at all, um, yeah. Would you, would, would you like to have on a sheet of paper that they can point to and say, "That's me. That's what I'm. That's what I'm feeling in my head." Um, you know, I think in the secondary school specifically, yeah. Um, we don't have the typical evaluation form that you would find, let's say like at a Kaiser where you can circle body parts. But I do think if you could have that and have it, have it accessible for your athlete to maybe circle where their pain is. And then um, I think those, those adjectives um, are really important with pain, you know, like aching, adolorido, um, you know, is it agonizing pain? Um, is it annoying pain? Is it molesto? Is it um, burning? What, what does molesto mean? Um, uh, like a, it's really bothering you, annoying you. Okay. Um, you know, having those specific terms to describe pains um, would be really helpful because you typically the type of pain can help lead us towards what the actual issue is and where it's coming from. Um, but I definitely think if, if you can find or have some kind of evaluation form where, you know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, they have the, like the actual body where it says like circle where you're feeling pain yeah, today, yeah. you know, like that, I think that would be better because again, like radiating pain, but they're not going to know that the pain might, might be radiating from something else. So it, you know, having something like that, a tool where they can physically write and see where their pain is. 
I also have a lot of um, anatomical charts in my athletic training facility. So when I'm explaining things, they can physically see it and, and understand a little better when I'm trying to communicate what exactly is going on with them. And uh, to go off of what uh, Alejandro just mentioned, we have one one of our uh, posts in regards to the medical terminology. One of the last few slides, uh, it shows like a pain scale with the faces uh, showing, you know, the difference. That's uh, I was going to mention that. So it has both an English version uh, and a Spanish version, right? So that for a younger population who might not fully understand medical terminology in yeah. general yeah. can take a look at that, like, you know, go with the sentence, how are you feeling? Yeah, and they look at that, and you know they point to it. They don't have to. And there's you know, like there are like eight faces or something like that, and there's like frowning and smiling and flat face mm-hmm. and like that. Is that mean? Is that mean? Yes, ex- exactly. Oh, okay. And because that's something universal. Body language is universal. So you, yeah. you see an athlete coming in, and you can tell based on their gait, based on <laughs> how they're holding themselves. Uh, okay, I have an idea, right? And now with this kind of infographic, then they can tell you without using you know the limited english right because even then you uh, you might feel uncomfortable trying to talk to somebody who is a medical professional who clearly knows english and you as the patient you may not know a whole lot of english you are therefore in your head could be deemed inferior so you're more hesitant to to speak up to talk but when you do and i've noticed this when you see somebody that you know can speak spanish regardless of what they look like it's like Oh, okay. I feel comfortable enough to go up, and now I can do my best to communicate. And having these little things just welcomes that conversation to happen. Um, really briefly, I once had an opportunity to speak with a with a parent whose child suffered a concussion. We told the kid exactly what was going on because he understood uh, English. Mm-hmm. Mom comes in afterwards, concerned about her son, and I was the only. Uh, person at the time who spoke Spanish so you know I stepped up with with my poor medical Spanish but I was able to communicate uh, exactly what needs to be done post-concussion right rest adequate rest uh, you know taking in every now and then to see how they're doing if they do increase in symptoms right si se sienten peor, so they get worse uh, you have to go to the doctor and like she would she she asked questions too so I was able to connect you know, the medical side was Spanish and she was comfortable enough to be like, what can I do for my son? So if I had the infographics available, I, you best believe it would have been much smoother. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's why this kind of content is so important because that conversation with a mom could have changed everything for that kid down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I should, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say building that relationship is really important. I think in, in the, in the Latinx community, especially with the, with the parents and the older population, having someone being able to understand and communicate on a, on a personal level creates such an increase in trust. Um, and, and oftentimes too much where, you know, they, they depend on you a little bit more, but that's what you want because yeah. if there's not that trust, then there, that care is going to get lost and, and your athlete is not going to get the proper um, quality of care. So even if you are a non-Spanish speaking healthcare professional, just trying and knowing a few words and trying to communicate in their language already shows that person the inclusivity and the fact that you're you're willing to try and, and yeah. it builds that trust for even more. And that is your leads one on my next question. Um, I don't know, Andre, I'm not sure where you went to did your your degree, but uh, Oscar did his you know in Las Vegas. 
And uh, yeah, is I, there? And you did yours. Sorry, in I don't want to. I did. Uh, I went to Loyola Marymount University in Westchester, California, and I. Um, okay, so cool. yeah, great choosing schools. So that works, works mm -hmm. so well for me, actually. Um, how did you? How were the? Say, how did you? How were you taught? Because I mean, I assume we're both taught in English, and uh, was there much difficulty when you learned about, say, well, for this matter, this podcast? Learn about concussions, how to treat concussions. How did you, were you, was there much difficulty enough for, for if, uh, in knowing what these the proper medical terms were in Spanish? For, for as, as athletic trainers, not as athletes, <laughs> no, but, but as. There was, um, in terms of, of undergraduate degree in school, there's not really anything taught in a different no. language other than English. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being, um, when I went from the PT clinic to my high school where I'm at now, I literally relied on Google and Amazon and bought a few textbooks to help me with my, um, my medical Spanish. I, you know, I use a lot of the CDC documents. They have a lot of the heads up stuff in Spanish, okay. but even, even that language is really advanced if, um, you know, if you, if you, if you go back to thinking about the social determinants of health and, and the lack of education, um, you know, typically first generation students have either parents or immigrants. So who knows what education they've completed if, if they're able to understand these words on paper. So, you know, in terms of my undergraduate education, I, I was taught and educated on concussions. Um, but it wasn't until I started doing my own research in Spanish in translating my own things in Spanish, did I learn, um, you know, medical terminology? And I'm very thankful for my time I spent mm -hmm. in the PT clinic because having, um, being assigned, being one of the um, few Spanish-speaking athletic trainers there, or just staff, because most of our staff in the front spoke mm -hmm. Spanish, but in terms of, like, actual healthcare professionals, I was maybe one of, of two or three that actually spoke it fluently. So that really forced me to brush up my skills in medical Spanish and it forced me to look things up on my own. And there's, there's no help from the university, nothing, nothing at university that was like, yeah. not necessarily the suggestion, say no help, but there was nothing, there's no not direct. Spanish, yeah. Not in a different language, yeah. you know, um, even, even right now with, with cultural competency and social determinants of health, like that was not taught in my undergraduate program at all. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's things like that. Where, which is why we do what we do as an organization is to provide these resources and to provide this educational information for the athletic training community because, you know, I just graduated in 2011. That's not even 10 years. And yeah. and if I get taught that now, you know, imagine the athletic trainer who went to school 20 years ago. Yeah. So, it, you know, the, that's, um, yeah, the normal English concussion symptoms and, and, and questions and evaluations, like all of that stuff is taught. But in terms of, you know, learning how to communicate with um, with other patients who don't speak English, that wasn't really versed even, upon, even, you know. Even in California, which is very right. multicultural and very, very, a lot of Spanish speakers in California, you'd think they would have some sort of. Yeah, not an athletic training um, per se. You know, I'm sure yeah. in other healthcare professionals, yeah. like if you're a physician, yeah. they'll, they'll definitely touch more upon that. But in athletic training specifically for my undergraduate program, um, learning how to communicate in Spanish was not taught at all. 
And Oscar, you you said you just graduated, so how's there any improvement in Nevada? In you know, be in Spanish speaking, Spanish medical terms, Spanish medical terminology for you rather like training. Yeah, so within the program, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of it. Uh, if there was, it was like a paragraph in a, in a textbook yeah. and perhaps an article or two. Uh, but what uh, since I recently graduated, I've noticed that a lot of the student organizations and a lot of just the student body in general take the initiative to do these kind of things. So to right. maybe, maybe put on like a workshop. Uh, UNLV actually did have a class or two in regards to medical terminology in Spanish. Um, and this was, I think, in February. I'm not too sure. I don't remember too well. Uh, but there was a course. It was like a, a couple of weeks long. And there was two levels. An intermediate, like you were relatively fluent in Spanish. Yeah. Or a beginner level to where you knew a little bit, but you wanted to just brush up and get more familiar with the medical terms based on your profession. So that showed that, you know, they understand that there's a need for uh, for that because, there might be a ton of Spanish speakers wherever, California, here in Vegas, but there's not a whole lot of Spanish speakers that are in healthcare professions, right? So for those who are in those kinds of professions and they don't know Spanish, well, uh, they that was what the purpose of the class was. It's like, we need more people to communicate with our patients. So let's put on a couple workshop classes so that way you can get familiar, familiarized with the uh, the content. Uh, but as, uh, as I said, you know, even these past 10 years, there hasn't been a whole lot of shift in regards to inclusivity in language. So it's up to us students to kind of put on these things. Um, I do know that um, a lot of the, the students in, in the current program at UNLV are of Latinx descent. They, they identify as that. So right. you they might want to do something like that since Latinx ATs is now an organization. Uh, there's yes. a possibility to where they could take inspiration from what we're doing and they could try it their own way. Uh, the UNLV uh, Medical Student Medical Association, uh, I'm aware that they have a diverse uh, background as far as who's in charge of the organization. And I know that there's different, um, like the UNLV Social Justice um, Office, uh, they also put on different workshops for uh, Spanish speakers and sometimes of, of other cultures as well. So it's going to start slowly changing. It starts with the students seeing that there's a need and then eventually it'll go up to uh, the faculty and staff understanding that this has to be implemented into the education. And hopefully it goes to the top, to the KD and things like that. So, so that, that way they're aware of what's really going on, who we're really talking to in our training rooms and on the field, you know? Great, actually, for the land into a last, let's do a two-part question, really, but first of all, is, first of all, thank you guys so much for being here, it's not really a question, but statement, does, so thank you so much, and gracias por todos, and uh, that's my best attempt, um, and uh, yeah, and so if you just, just tell us everybody what, what did, where you can find Latinx, and where you learn more about it, and or to say anything more about it you'd like to say about it. And also, actually, before you, before you, so you know, we sign out and this podcast, if uh, one of you could be the athletic therapist to explain to the other parent, you know, act as a parent, is trying to explain to them what a, what their concussed child has, what the, what, what it means for that, that your child is, has suffered a concussion, or what you suspect is a concussion. So, yeah. as you um, can pick whichever role you want, who I want to parent and, and the trainer, or 
So, but yeah, that's the thing. That's all the years now. Thanks so much. Gracias. Um, okay. You want to start off with the scenario and then we'll sign yeah. off where they can find us? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Um, so, I like I typically, um, when I'm approaching a parent, uh, I let them know, you know, first of all, your your son or daughter is done being fatal. You know, they're fine, but, you know, emphasizing that they seem okay now, um, but, like, within the next few days, pueden sentir, um, you know, and I just start they start to feel, and I'll just start list, lifting, um, listing off symptoms, and I I try to explain. I ask them if they know what a conmoción or a concusión is. Uh, typically, they'll say no, and so, you know, I'll explain um, I'll say it's un lesión en el cerebro causada por un golpe o un sacoduda. So uh, you cause from a hit or like a, a shake or, you know, um, something that make them understand that you don't have to necessarily get in the head to receive a concussion, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that functionally, um, funcionamiento normal del cerebro se cambia. So the, the functionality of, of the brain it actually changes because of the you know, as we know, the metabolic crisis in, 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 in the brain and what happens during that whole process. And, you know, from there, I will explain that their son or daughter can experience, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'll start listing symptoms off. Um, but it, I really, really emphasize that every concussion is different. You know, um, I, I let them know in Spanish que... Si por ahorita su hijo o hija está bien, um, pero en la mañana o en la noche, like at night or in the morning, um, you know, pueden, no van a dormir bien, so they're not going to sleep very well. They'll have like disruption in, in their sleeping pattern. Or, you know, if they don't have a headache now, si, si no tienen un dolor de cabeza ahorita, they may develop a headache over time. Also, um, you know, trying to explain things at home because, you know, um, in our culture, it's it's get home and wash the dishes and, and make sure mm-hmm. you room and and I have to you have to look after your sister and you have to do this for your grandmother, your grandparents. So it's also communicating with the parent and letting them know that, hey, your son or daughter really shouldn't be doing X, Y and Z if their symptoms are this and this and that. And so it's understanding the home culture as well and communicating with the parent that this, you know, your, your kid's not milking it. You know, they're, they're, they're not, they're really, they really can't um, do this. They really can't go do that and this. So um, that's how I would communicate with the parents and just making sure that they understand the basics of what a concussion is. Um, again, it, it's a conmoción cerebral. Um, which I say is a, a lesion, uh, a lesion is the direct term um, to the brain, to the cerebrum, and um, causado por un golpe en la cabeza o en el cuerpo, um, that, so a hit to the head or the body um, that causes the brain to essentially rattle um, within the skull and then causing all of these um, disturbances, so the the blurry vision, the headaches, the sensitivity to light and, and, and the noise and all of that stuff. That's, a, and, that's what I would say. Go ahead, Oscar. 
and with the if the patient is involved right if it's, if there are you know high school athlete or even a collegiate athlete i would speak in both english and spanish that way if the uh, the patient is more comfortable with english or understands english uh, they can then relate the information to their parent a bit more, right? So I can do both as best as possible, but having them both present and being able to talk to them in a way that they would understand some more in a relaxed kind of tone, mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes there is a lot of hesitation when you do speak to a healthcare professional regarding your child's welfare. Mm -hmm. And and because as Alejandro mentioned, you know, the cultural aspect is huge. So if I understand like, don't no, don't let him like take care of his sister. He has to go to bed, he tiene que dormir. Uh, you gotta wait a few days. Tienes before you can go back to play. Uh, and emphasizing that will be like for the mom or dad, be like, okay, so nothing, right? Like, no, no puedes descansar. He can't do anything. He has to rest. So then, now hearing it from me it was like, okay. You, as my son, can't go out. You know, you can't be having fun. You got to rest. No phone, no nothing. And obviously the kid's like, okay, I understand. But both are present. And I was able to communicate in a way that they understand. Not the, not just in language, but in tone, in the way that I kind of just speak in general. Uh, that's, I found success in that. And it's just, because I, you know, we relate. And I think that, that helps out a lot. And not everybody can relate to that. But as long as you communicate in a way that they understand, like, okay, we're good. We just got to make sure he's okay. Got to keep him safe. Make sure he eats and drinks water. Perfect. We'll be smooth sailing and we'll come back if we need to. Oh, cool. Gracias. It's great. And uh, I just want to talk about uh, Latin, Latinx and, uh, or at Latinx, however you want to, however you would like to people to find you and learn more about your organization, your, your uh, group organization. Yeah. Go ahead, Oscar. Yeah, yeah, we have a Twitter. Uh, it's at LatinxATs. ATS is the uh, handle. Uh, on there, what we do is we kind of post the same content on both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, but we also have a link tree to additional documents if it's rather lengthy on on either the social media handles. So for uh, the Instagram, it is at LatinxATs. So ATS, and same goes for Twitter. Uh, right now, we're currently posting a lot of uh, Latinx slash Hispanic Heritage Month, highlighting our members um, and bringing up different uh, facts about the different countries that uh, the Latinx community represents. And uh, down the line with, with more time and more planning, we'll have a bunch of other cool opportunities, whether it's maybe fundraisers or maybe another town hall, a variety of things coming up uh, during this, this fall season. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize, um, you know, our, our community, is not just for athletic trainers. You know, we, we are healthcare professionals and, and we, we serve as part of the sports medicine team. So our, our content is not just for athletic training. We, we've had some physical therapists follow us recently. Um, so, you know, I highly encourage any and all healthcare professionals to follow us. It's, it's more for our community, it's for our Spanish speaking patients. Um, so like Oscar said, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. And um, we do have a link tree, which is in the bio um, of our Instagram and our Twitter, and we are currently working on our website. Um, so hopefully mm -hmm. that'll be done before the end of the year. Jeff, and, uh, what's that address? Do you think? Do you know not yet or not yet? To... Okay. Um, it'll probably be a Google website, so I'm not too sure yet, but um, we'll decide that at some point. Um, but we're definitely going to publish the website before the end of the year. 
And um, yeah. And then our email is also in our Instagram bio. Great. Well, I just wanted to thank you both and, uh, and also say that I checked out your Instagram, at least your Instagram page and your few, the few, there's a bunch of uh, profiles of your members and also the uh, invaluable, the terminology, medical terminology, medical terminology sheets you've done, which are, I think they're great. Those are definitely very informative for anybody who's interested in learning how to do, learning how to converse at least medically or at least know terms medically when you're you or your or a patient is talking about a concussion or any any injury for that matter yeah and uh yeah so i think that's a great feature and uh best of luck with the, all the the site and the and the future and any future events and Ozzy, i hope you can get uh you know, we can get as how I don't know how you know, is doing what they're doing or not right now with pandemic stuff, but uh, if you guys are operational or not, but uh, yeah, hope you um, can get to start work soon. I said next week, said? it's actually this Wednesday. I start uh, my this first Wednesday. day, so oh. yeah, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna Good be exciting, luck. and thank you, appreciate it. Muchisimas gracias, Nick. Yeah, yeah. muchas gracias. Uh, thank you so much. Gracias. Gracias. Bye-bye. Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. www.bensound.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.